Welcome to the C3 Church Watson Podcast. Our vision is to connect you to Jesus, develop you as a follower of Christ, and empower you to build the church. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. So we are finishing our series on Colossians, In Him. We have called it In Him because He, Jesus, is the centre of everything. He is the secret, he is the mystery, he is the answer, and it is always all about him. Colossians 1.17 says, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So we've looked at chapter 1, 2, and 3, and guess what we're looking at today? 4, you guys are smart. We're looking at chapter 4, and I have two main points this morning, but before I start, I want to pray. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. And I thank you that it is powerful. And I thank you that it is mighty. And I thank you, Lord, that that it divides. It goes out and it accomplishes. Lord, that it is the truth. And that the truth sets us free today. Our Lord, I pray that The words, as your word goes out of my mouth, Lord, we don't need my words, we need your words. As they go out, Father, Lord, I pray that our hearts, Lord, would be open and the seed that is sown, Lord, I pray that it would sprout into mighty trees. In Jesus' name, amen. So I have two points today. My first point is from Colossians 4 verse 2 and my first point is this, devote yourselves to prayer. Paul says, devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. There is a guy in the Bible called Samson. Have you heard of Samson? And he had a secret strength. It was his hair. It is not my secret strength, I can tell you that. But Samson's secret strength was his hair. And as long as he didn't cut it, He was strong and he was powerful and he was able to win any battle he was in. Nothing could defeat him. He beat every single enemy he faced. He conquered entire armies. Even when the odds were against him, he was victorious as long as he had his secret strength. Do you want to know what our secret strength as Christians is? It's prayer. It's actually prayer and the Word of God, but I'm talking about prayer today, so I'm just going to focus on prayer, right? Is that okay? It's prayer. Prayer is our secret strength. It is the air we breathe. It is our lifeline. It is our secret weapon. Paul tells the church, the Colossian church, to devote themselves to prayer, which literally means to be earnest in prayer, to persevere in prayer, to be constantly diligent and to continue in prayer. It means to continue in prayer because we might start to pray about something and it might just, we think, oh, well, it hasn't happened yet. Paul's coming back and he's saying to them, continue in prayer. Don't just start, continue. There may be some people here today who have not fully explored the life of prayer. I'm not talking about those who, who are in a season because lives, our life goes through seasons. I remember when I had young children, 
I was in a season where it was really hard for me to pray as much as I wanted to pray. But the Bible says in Isaiah that God gently leads those who are with young. And God understands every season we are in. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people who haven't even explored it. You've dabbled. You've tried it occasionally, two minutes on the way to the bus. You've thought about it. But you just can't seem to find the time or the motivation to really see the benefit of prayer. Now, this is not a message of condemnation, but a message of Guys, you're missing out on something. You're missing out on your secret weapon. You're missing out on your secret, secret, um, whatever, whatever I was going to say is gone. But you're missing out on that. Your secret strength. It is the air we breathe. Is there anyone here today who always knows what to do in every situation they face? Is there anyone here today who is happy with everything that's going on in their life? Is there anyone here today who looks around this world and thinks, well, everything is just fine? Do you know where a lot of the change, a lot of the breakthrough, a lot of what needs to happen is where that is accomplished in our lives? It is accomplished in the place of prayer. Right there, on our knees, before God. That is where things change. Sometimes it's us who changes. Sometimes it's our circumstances who changes. Sometimes it's other people who change. But without a doubt, without a doubt, change happens in prayer. It doesn't happen in worry. Change does not happen in worry. It doesn't happen in trying to work it all out on our own. It happens in prayer. Because I don't know what to do all of the time. I am not all-knowing. My husband would say amen. So why wouldn't I invite the all-knowing, all-powerful, almighty creator of the heavens and the earth into my world to do what only he can do? Why wouldn't I do it? Prayer is how we do that. Prayer is how we invite him in. Prayer is is how we we give him access to that relationship struggle that just keeps going and we think, oh God. Prayer is where we find the answers to the future, where where we can take an anxiety over an issue, when we're needing wisdom about something. We can keep them all to ourselves or we can try and talk it out with, with a friend or a spouse or a workmate or whatever. Or we can go into that secret place and we can open our hands and we can give them to God in prayer. And we can allow him access because so often we're, we, no, I've, I've got it. No, you don't have it. And we can give him access and see what he will do. Pray first. Pray first, not last. Pray first. First. This building would not be here without the power of prayer. There are a number of other things that have made this building possible, but I'm telling you this, it would not be here without the power of prayer. Because when everything went pear-shaped and people were saying, we can't go ahead, and I walked up Mount Ainsley and God said to me, keep going. 
it's going to be okay. And that was the power of prayer. My whole relationship with God is founded on prayer and the Word of God. I would not know the voice of God without spending time praying and listening and acting on what I hear because what you strengthen grows and what you starve dies. And as I pray and I hear and I act and I pray and I hear more and I act, my messages are written first in the place of prayer. That's where they start. And I don't believe we can talk about prayer without encouraging everyone, everyone to pray in the Holy Spirit by speaking in tongues. In fact, not many days go by in my life where I wouldn't spend at least 30 minutes in the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues. Jude 1.20 says this, But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Speaking in tongues builds our faith. It also helps us when we don't know what to pray. Romans 8 says this, And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us as believers in harmony with God's own will. Sometimes I've come away from a time where all I've done is pray in the Holy Spirit about an issue and God will say to me, you don't need to pray about that anymore because you've been praying my will over that situation. Prayer changes things. Having said all of that, let me say this. I want to encourage you, some of here today, some of you here today, this morning, who may be struggling with something that has been going on for longer than you thought you could possibly cope with. Or you may be struggling with something that has hit you out of the blue and you are spinning and you are stunned. Maybe you're feeling disappointed about it and anxious and not sure what to do. I came here with the purpose to tell you where your answer is going to come from. It is going to come as you do what Paul says here in Colossians and continue to pray. Don't give up. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray continually. I saw a picture of people on their knees before God, crying out to him, wondering when it was going to change. I saw a picture of disappointments piling up so high that you can't see over the top of them and you don't think you can keep walking. Matthew 6, verse 6 says this, But when you pray, not if you pray, but when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. I want to remind you today, your father in heaven sees everything and he will reward you. He will he will, it says, he will reward you. Don't give up. 
Even if you're wondering what's the point, don't give up. Just keep going back saying, well, here I am again, God. I don't know what you're doing. Can you change that or can you change me or can you change something? Because you're still in the middle and the middle is the hardest place to be, don't you think? Because at the beginning, it's exciting and it's new and you don't know what's going to happen. And at the end, woo, it's all happened. But in the middle, well, that's the heart, that's the tough place. That's the place where we all think, well, I think I'll just pack up my bat and ball and I'll go home. Continue in prayer. Keep going back. Don't give up. Because you know what? You can't see the end, but I promise you it will be over at some point. (laughs) It will. It won't last forever. It will finish. Definitely will. Daniel 10 says this, then he said, don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before God, your request has been heard in heaven and I have come in answer to your prayer. What a beautiful scripture. But for 21 days, the spirit of the prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me and I left him there with the spirit of the prince of the kingdom of Persia. Now I'm here to explain to you what will happen. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before God, your request has been heard in heaven. Since the first day you did that, your request has been heard in heaven. His ears are not blocked. He has heard you. Sometimes our prayers are not answered. In that verse I just read, 21 days, there was a spiritual battle going on. Sometimes it lasts for more than 21 days. We don't know why prayers take a long time to answer sometimes and they are answered immediately at other times. I wish I knew, but I don't. But that doesn't mean they won't be answered doesn't mean it. And our job is to do what Paul says in Colossians, to devote ourselves to prayer and keep believing and keep trusting. See, sometimes I don't want to go to pray because I know exactly what God's going to say. Does anyone else ever feel like that? No? (laughs) No, God, I just want to stay in my pity party for just a little bit longer, if that's okay with you. I do not want to go and pray. Because I know what you're going to say. You're going to tell me to have faith, and I don't want to have faith right now. Anyone? (laughs) This is true. This This is real. I'm tired. I don't want to hear about miracles, okay? I know you're the God of miracles, and I need a miracle. But right now, it just feels too hard to believe that you're going to do that miracle. But faith is still the currency of heaven. It still is. And whenever I go to God, he keeps saying, believe. Keep believing. Don't quit halfway through. Keep going until you see the miracle and until you see the breakthrough. You will reap if you don't grow grow weary and give up. Some of you here today might be new Christians and... You know, when you, when you first start following Jesus, 
everything is wonderful. And, and it's like, this is a journey for new Christians, just a little bit of a side note here. Prayers get answered easily. And as you go on in Christ, it doesn't happen as easily. Has anyone found that as a Christian? <laughs> because when people are, when, when babies are born, they, they're, they're fed. And as they grow, they begin to learn to feed themselves. And as a new Christian, as you start to grow in God, and you may, you may start to think, well, well, where's he gone? Well, what have I done? He hasn't gone anywhere and you haven't done anything. He's just teaching you to grow and to persevere and to have faith and to walk by yourself and to start and to keep relying on him even when you can't see him or understand him. But just keep going. That's the life of faith. Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. That's my first point. My second point is this. Make him known. In him is life. In him is life. And we want everyone who doesn't know him to come to know him for themselves. And our job, while we are still here on earth, is to make him known. Colossians 5, 2, sorry, there's no Colossians 5, just in case you wondered. Colossians 2, 5 and 6, says, walk in the wisdom of God as you live before the unbelievers and make it your duty to make him known. Let every word you speak be drenched with grace and tempered with truth and clarity, for then you will be prepared to give a respectful answer to anyone who asks about your faith. Let every word you speak be drenched with grace. I find that challenging. Be drenched with grace and tempered with truth and clarity. Walk in wisdom. Be wise, in other words, be wise in how you live before unbelievers. And just let's remember this, that wisdom is firstly found in Jesus. So this passage of Scripture says, as you live before unbelievers. That means that we are living our lives with people who don't know Jesus. We aren't locked away, afraid, batting down the hatches, not wanting to be with people who don't know Jesus. We are front-footed people, taking our lives by by the horns, fully living the life that Jesus came for us to live. I read a cute little quote. I'm going to read it to you. I don't know where it came from, but it was on the internet, so it must be true. says this, this year I want to be more like Jesus. Hang out with sinners, upset religious people, tell stories that make people think, choose unpopular friends, be kind, loving and merciful and take naps on boats. Anyone want to take a nap on a boat? If I had a boat, I would. As we go about living our lives, we are making connections with people who don't know Christ. And we are being wise in how we live, in how we act, in what we say. Verse 6 says, let every word you speak be drenched with grace and tempered with truth and clarity. For then you'll be prepared 
to give a respectful answer to anyone who asks about your faith. To anyone who asks about your faith. I remember years ago listening to a very wise leader talk about theology and what we believe. And he said something that has always, it's always stuck with me. He said this, he said, our theology is like our backbone. It holds everything together. It is strong. It makes life work, but we don't wear it on the front of our body. Anyone have a backbone on the front of their body? On the front of our body is our heart and our arms and our hands. The message being that when we meet people, it is not our theology they need to hear about first. They need to experience our heart. They need to experience our arms of love. They need to experience our smile and our warmth. Our words need to be drenched with grace and tempered with truth and clarity. And I'm not suggesting that we don't speak the truth. I'm not suggesting that we water down our beliefs. But people don't care what we believe until they know that we care about them. Why would they care about what we think? If they don't think we care about them. Many people in my world who are not believers know that I'm a pastor and they don't necessarily agree with what I believe. But I tell you what, they ask me to pray for them because they know I will. And they come, for me, come to me for advice when things are falling apart because they know I care about them. Don't be the religious police that look down on people, that judge people, that tell people off when you meet them, wanting to pick a fight because they believe something different to what you believe, being so argumentative that it is not going to be fruitful and it is not going to be successful. Do not lead with your theology. Don't lead with your points of difference and your points of contention. It's not wise and it will not be effective. Two years ago, Paul and I were at Hillsong Conference and... There's a big corso that you walk to. It's all around that Sydney area. Where, does, anyone, does anyone know what I'm talking about? It's where Hillsong's... Anyway, it's in the middle of the city. There's lots of football stadiums and big stadiums all in one area. I think it was where the Olympics were. That's it, Olympic Park. It's a huge corso. We're all... I'm not good with directions. Paul gets worried when I go out by myself. Um, he doesn't really, because I have a GPS. So, we're walking down the Corso. I kid you not, there was a man standing there with a megaphone yelling at us all about how we were all going to go to hell. He was preaching damnation. He was preaching, he was just yelling, yelling, yelling. Can I tell you, that was very ineffective. No one came to Christ. I mean, we're all going to Hillsong, for heaven's sake. But no one came to Christ by that. 1 Corinthians 9. Let's hear what Paul says. Even though I am free of the demands and expectations of everyone, I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people, religious, non-religious, meticulous, moralists, Loose living immoralists, the defeated, the demoralized, whoever. I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ. But I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. 
I have become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into, God's, into a God-saved life. I did all of this because of the message. I didn't just want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. What a great passage of scripture. I want to be in on it. Anyone else? I want to be in on it. I entered into their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. Jesus entered into people's worlds. He got up close and personal. He hung out with them. He ate with them. He was with them. And our job while we're still here on earth is to make him known. And we do that by taking a leaf out of Jesus' book and a leaf out of Paul's book and by entering their life and trying to see things from their point of view and by serving them. That scripture said, it says this, he says, I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. As a side note, you actually don't need to defend God. You can come up, guys. You don't need to defend God. Did you know that? He is big enough to defend himself and look after himself. If someone just wants to have an intellectual argument with you about God and try and prove this, try and prove that, it's not going to be worth it. It's really not. Because you can't argue someone into becoming a Christian. And the Bible actually says it's not our job to save them, it's the Holy Spirit's job. They need to have their eyes open to the truth and that's his job, not mine. We speak with grace and truth about our faith. We do that and we should be prepared. That scripture in Colossians tells us to be prepared to do it, to be ready to give answers for what we believe. But trying to argue someone into the kingdom will never work because God cannot be fully understood and worked out with our mind because he is God and there will always be a need for faith for someone to come to Christ and that's their journey. That's their heart. That's not something that you can make them do. That's their choice. And it only comes as the Holy Spirit works in their life. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our church, find us online at c3churchwatson.com.au. We hope to see you in church again this weekend.